0: Basically the last couple weeks we went through A, which is the assurance of salvation, letter B, which is the Bible, letter C, we just got through, which is the church, and uh, again, these are all basic, uh, important things in the Christian walk that we think we deem as an important part. Did we start the recording yet, Cassie? Yes. Okay. Um, This letter D is daily walk, daily walk, so let's start with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just ask you today, Lord, as we spend a little time in Your word, and I go through discipleship. I ask that you just please bless as only you can. Lord, again, I thank you for your grace and mercy for us as Christians. May we uh, strive to be, Lord, what you want us to be. Help us to be faithful uh, and do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, So he starts out here. uh, Go ahead. There you go. He starts out here. Bible Christianity is not a creed. What's a creed? Anybody know what a creed is? A set of rules or a set of beliefs, but a person. Yes, sorry, page number 29. I should have said that, I apologize. Um, Bible Christianity is not a creed or set of beliefs. He's but a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. When we receive the Lord Jesus as our Savior, we see Him as a real person into our heart and life. And although there are many things to learn about the Lord in the Christian life, we must never forget there is a personal relationship to be enjoyed and maintained. It's funny, when I read this, I was telling you about the, my coworker that I was talking about, you know, I was giving this idea that, you know, the first thing he said, I was witnessing him, he's a Catholic man, and uh, the first thing I said, so what's the difference between a Baptist and a Catholic, trying to open in that, that uh, avenue of where he was at? And he says, well, we believe, you know, that we shouldn't have uh, committed adultery, we shouldn't live in fornication, oh, and, and he went through a list of things, laundress things, and it's funny the difference between what he believed in his faith compared to what my faith let, led me to. The first thing, if you would say, what's the difference between a Baptist and a Catholic, it really would come down to the line of, what is your belief in Jesus Christ? And this is exactly what they're trying to say here. Listen, it's not just a set of beliefs, but it is about your relationship to Christ. Um, legalism, which is somewhat come misconstrued in a lot of ways, is this ideal, oh, I'm just going to keep these set of rules and then I'm okay with God. No. Really, what it is, is your relationship, the time you spend in worship, the time you spend reading His Word, the time you spend praying, is what it comes down to. Now, God will impress upon your heart to live a certain way. You don't so much try to keep it, but God puts it in your heart to do it. That's why the Bible talks about, behold, all things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. Anybody that is abiding in Christ is a new creature. That You're not the same old guy trying to do a new thing. You know, that old story is true. They like to say that I just turned over a new leaf, right? That's not the case when it comes to our Christian living. We are to what? We are to live according to what God wants us to do, and God will put upon our hearts. Through His Word and through prayer, God will introduce to us how we should live. And it's not so much of a robot type of attitude. Atmosphere. Instead, it's a thing that we do because we love Jesus Christ. The Bible says, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. You don't do things because you have to. You do things because you love Christ. And this is the important thing. He says, personal relationships are maintained by communication. Every Christian needs a daily walk with his or her Lord to enjoy all God has in store. This is the battleground where victory is or defeat in your Christian life will be decided. So, this idea that as Christians, boy, we need to be careful in our communication, and it's an important part of our Christian life to the point where if we're not having communication with the Lord, are we really having a Christian walk with God? Are we still living in the faith? Now, don't get me wrong, I am not a person that says, well, if you didn't have your Christian walk this morning, boy, you're not saved. No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying if we live by faith, if we abide in Christ, we are not going to be prone to live in the things of the flesh. Right, girls? Right? Amen. There are things that you guys do every day. You have to do every day. Dad's going to preach his message, morning message before he gets a chance to. Uh, but there are things that you do every day that you're supposed to be doing. You say, Dad, it's hard. Right? Listen to me, Kelly. Dad, it's hard. Right? i got to clean my room. I've got to make sure I get ready. I've got to make sure. Those things are hard to do. How do you do that? without Christ. You can't. So the first thing you do in the morning is get that time with God. Spend time in prayer. Spend time reading His Word. Ask God to change you from the inside out. Because if you try to do it from the outside in, listen to me, God's never going to work through that. Because you're trying to do it on your own. He says here, the vital requirements of a good daily walk. So he goes, she says, check back the preliminary study number two. If you go back, you can see, and I'm not going to uh, spend a lot of time on this, but you can see there was two studies that we did at the beginning. And he says, what does God expect from me? And he gives uh, a few things. I think there's five points here of what God expects of the Christian. But I want you to kind of look at this. He says, God's will for you as a young Christian is to what? Anybody? Look at letter A. Grow grow. That is correct. To grow. Let me write this up here. We've talked about the idea of growing. Every Christian should, if you stay the same type of Christian. I had a pastor once tell me that uh, so-and-so had gotten saved, and they had uh, accepted Christ as their Savior at their church, and he says, yeah, they're They're saved. I said, have they been to church since then? No. Have they tried to live the Christian walk? No. What are they doing as a Christian? There's no evidence of that. I would have to stop. Again, we can't judge our, but the Bible does say, by their fruits, ye shall know them. And that young person, even though they had made a profession of faith, I would seriously doubt if they knew Christ as their Savior. Because why? God's expectation of you is to grow. My little son right there, he is uh, not more than... Uh, two, Two years old, just a little over two years old. But about that time, my sister had a, a baby uh, about the same age. And at that time, she was not reaching her milestones. She wasn't lifting up her head. She wasn't smiling. She wasn't, or she was smiling, but she wasn't doing the normal things that a baby does at that age. She started to question, what was wrong with my baby? And kind of find out she had angel eyes. In the same sense, you as a Christian, listen... Uh, when you get saved, you accept Christ as your Savior. There are milestones in your life that you should be doing. One of those things is baptism. Baptism is the second step, or first uh, first step of obedience after salvation. Now, there are many things that are there are things that for physical growth. Letter B says there are a number of essential requirements for physical growth, and there are some essential requirements for spiritual growth. This study will deal with the two of the most vital things you will need for a daily walk with God. And he has a a nice little diagram here. And he says, me, I'm sorry, Cassie, this is going to be sloppy, so you're not going to be impressed. She always is laughing. She's always making me laugh. She says, your handwriting's so neat. What I want to be. All right. And then Bible study. Alright. So he basically gives an idea of two things. Prayer is I talk to God. And letter B, Bible study, God talks to me. Alright, let's move on to page number 30. Page number 30. In actual fact, our walk with God needs to be constant. And I know that we look at that word, constant, means that it's a continual thing. The Bible says to what? Prayer. How, how, how much should we pray? pray. Unceasingly. Unceasingly, the Bible says. So this idea that we're going to be someone that is constantly giving it over to the Lord, saying, God, I need help with this. And listen, it, it's a constant battle. You, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers and darkness this world against spiritual witness in high places. Even though the devil is not omnipresent, there are demons that are constantly influencing our path every day. Uh, the world is influencing our path every day. You go down the road, you cannot but look at billboards and see the influences of the world upon our lives. How do you overcome that? And we find in Joshua chapter one and verse eight, we just this is good <laughs> good fodder for the last uh, Couple months that we've been preaching on Joshua and Judges. So let's go ahead and turn there, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. When I was in fifth and sixth grade, we did a skit. I had to memorize this entire thing. I don't know if I still have it memorized. But this verse is such a dear and clear presence to every Christian. And it should be something we would like to say of ourselves. This is this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, neither but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and that thou may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You want to grow as a Christian, the first thing that you need to do is to make sure that you're memorizing God's word, knowing God's word. Joshua's command was that the God's word would not what? You write it down here? All right. Anybody know? God's word should not, according to this verse, depart. 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 Now you say, Pastor, how is that possible? How can I not have the word of God depart out of my mouth? Every day you get up, and actually the girls have been trying to memorize verses, right? You know, what have you guys been memorizing lately? One, one, one well, 19, 19, 10, nine 19 11. 11. Right. The Bible tells, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Very simple verse, but it's a very important verse. This idea that you're constantly, what? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. How are you not going to let the word of God depart from your mouth? Well, you've got to memorize it. You've got to know it. You've got to read it. You've got to study it. He says here, not only should it not depart from the mouth of God's people, but it also says... Day and night. <laughs> Wait a minute. You know, you mean I don't get, a, <laughs> I don't get a, a break from God's word? No. It's a constant pattern upon your life. Uh, I love Brother Willie. I miss him. I wish he was back here soon. Um, but he would tell me when his kids were little, he would put proverbs, he would put uh, the headphones on his kids, and they would listen to proverbs all night long. That uh, was one of the things they would do going to bed. And I think that's a great idea. I haven't taken that in yet, but what? You don't like that idea? It's better than reading a novel, right? Amen. But the idea is that what? There is a command of the Word of God beyond people's hearts and minds every waking moment. I'm not going to say that you should keep her pair of headphones on your, on your ears as you're sleeping, but the idea that God is giving you an opportunity to to read His Word, to abide in His Word, to stay in His Word, eat, sleep, and drink His Word. Every part of your life is the Word of God. If we don't have the Word of God, what do we have? We have nothing. We really don't. <sighs> I was talking to this young man uh, that I work with. I was explaining to him his, his faith, and he was telling me, well, you know, we believe this, and this is what they say. I said, listen, don't listen to what the church teaches. You need to listen to what the Word of God teaches. I said, one of the biggest things between our two faiths is the fact that you believe in whatever our church says. I believe literally what the Bible teaches me. And that is an important difference, and we should keep that in the understanding. Turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and verse six 6 through 9. Says, and these words, boy these are some good commands here and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, shalt talk with them of them when thou sittest, that in thine, sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down and when thou risest up and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyelids. If I'm not mistaken isn't there some Jewish traditions that they do where they put the The word of... What is that called? I forget what it's called. I don't remember. Miss Sister Kim would know this. She was in the Jewish church for a while.
1: (laughs) I forgot. I I forgot. Yeah, it's a little box. Yeah. It'll come to me. Yeah. Uh, But
0: they would keep... This is what they're talking about. They have
1: them by their door poles. Yes. Jewish people today, they have them by their door poles.
0: I went to Skokie once, and I actually was putting up solar panels for a rabbi. And it was amazing. I had never seen a home quite like it. There were rows and rows of books on the law. And uh, it was very sparse, except for all those books on the law. Uh, very conservative home that it was in. But I thought it was very interesting that they are saying here, he says, I'll teach them diligently to thy children. He says, Shall talk to them when they sittest down in thine house, when thou walkest by thy way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. There is really no room for, for not talking about it, right? It's all the time i have to say I fail. Uh, There are times when I'm not always talking to my children about the law. I think
1: it's a
0: mezuzah. Mezuzah. Okay, I have to remember that. I've never heard that word before, so it's about as unfamiliar. But I did know that there was something they put on their foreheads. Uh, I knew it wasn't phylacteries. That's the thing that hangs down here. Uh, But uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. But I do think this is a very important verse. And I've used this a lot of times with Christian uh, parents, because really the, the bottom line, when it comes down to your children, the best way to have them have a taste for God is to continue giving that education. Uh, if you don't give them that education, there are chances that they're going to take somebody else's education, and you got to be careful with that. Here's a, another one, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17. <laughs> or I use this verse. That's the problem. I already these verses. I've already used them, but this is the reference for that. It says, "Pray without ceasing." it says, "Here we are to bid our our bid to pray without what? Ceasing." All right, my dear daughter, I need you to come here and erase.
1: I'll
0: do it. I'll do it. All right, as long as you can do it without being distracted. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Alright, so, we're to pray without ceasing. So, the two things that we need, first of all, number one, be in God's Word. Secondly, we need to be what? Praying. Okay? Very basic. He says, Nevertheless, in our busy schedule of daily life, it is, necess- uh, it is, it is necess- uh, necessary for a Christian to set aside a definite time each day for a devotional walk with the Lord. He gives the reference of Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. Let's go ahead and turn there. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. Uh, There are times in my Christian walk where I'm not as faithful in in Bible time and uh, I feel it through the day. Uh, But Daniel was someone that, uh, I was just talking to this young man and he was telling me that he had ran into someone that was Muslim. And he said, he went in, there they they were EMS texts. And he says, they went in, and the guy was going into Starbucks, and his partner was in the back, and he didn't know what he was doing. And he, he yelled back to him, hey, you want something from Starbucks? You want something? The guy wouldn't answer him. He said it like three or four times. Finally, finally he says, maybe nobody's in here. So he just kind of left it alone. Found out the guy, he says, no, I'm here. He says, I was just praying to Allah. Boy, Christians really missed this right here. You want to know why we don't have power from the Holy Spirit? It's because of this very essence right here. It says in verse 10 Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. It makes me weep a little bit. A little sadness in my heart when I realize, boy, I failed God in this area. Not just in the morning time, but boy, what would it be like if we spent three times a day, our lunch break, we'd spit down and spend time in our, the Word of God praying. These people that are from the Muslims, boy, they have a dedication to a false god. But I'll tell you this much, they are dedicated to him. Uh, I remember getting up in the early morning hours from 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning going downtown Chicago. I remember seeing taxi cab drivers who were Muslims. And they would have their prayer rugs out and they would be on the street praying to their god. And I'm saying, why can't Christians be like that? And I really believe that many Christians don't believe in the true God, and so they just basically go through the motions. They might say a prayer here or there, but boy, how different would it be if we as Christians really took seriously what God gave them? It says here so how many times did Daniel pray each day?
1: Three times.
0: Three times. And I'm not just saying, praying for your food. This is saying, you're getting, spending 10, 15, 20 minutes in prayer, just, yes.
1: By faith, Daniel was praying these three times, because these were the times of the temple prayer, three times a day, it was an organized temple prayer. So he was praying with the window open towards Jerusalem, towards the east, and so it was like, he's still acting like there's still a temple, even though he's not there. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. That's even though amazing. he's in exile. That's you know, amazing. He's like,
0: no, no. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I just love the fact, though, that he was willing to do this, even though there was a broad hit upon people that did that. They'd be thrown into lion's den. Boy, we can't even get people to pray for the food. This guy was literally opening in the face of persecution, knowing that he would be facing instant death if he did Boy, well, how powerful is that? All right, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 17 and verse 11.
1: That they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things
0: were so. All right, so we find here that the Bereans did what? They read the word of God. How many times did they read the word of God? Daily. Daily. That is correct. That is correct. So we know not only did Daniel pray three times a day, but we also find that they, that the Bereans read the word of God daily. Not did they read it, but what does it say here in the last part of verse 11? And they, they searched the scriptures, right? It's not just, and this is, I think this is a big fault of a lot of modern day Christians. We get these devotionals, right? They didn't, people don't study their Bibles. And the the sad thing is, is the reason for that, why why it's bad, is because if you don't study your Bible, there's a good indicator that you're going to fall prey to some false teaching. If you don't know your Bible, if you don't know what the Bible says, someone can come along and they can be sweet and they can be kind and they can have all the nice things. They're really a false prophet. And they'll come in and they'll. I'll give a perfect example. Uh, A church that I know of that I went to Bible college with, that the church would willingly... Wanting to separate themselves as heretical because of a pastor who was kids were not doing right. And they were willing to do it. And I asked myself, why? Well, because of this right here. They weren't searching the scriptures. You need to know what the Bible says about everything. And if you're not, boy, you're in trouble. And then we turn into uh, he's got some lists here. He says, There is no prescribed time for your daily devotions. The important thing is is that you set a time aside. Um, And I'll be honest with you, in my own personal life, I find early morning is the best. Um, Some people like to do it in the afternoon, and I'm not going to fault them. I'd rather anybody have a time with God if they can fit it into their schedule. I think we really should have more time with God, but if you have time, and I, I often tell people if you're struggling with your devotions... If you're struggling with your devotions, you need to make sure that you say, okay, well, I'm going to take 10 minutes. And just say, okay, 10 minutes today is what I'm going to read. I don't have time today, but I'm going to take 10 minutes. And then the next day, 20 minutes. The next day, 30. Before long, you have a habit, right? Right, son? You have a habit? All right, go see mama. That idea that we're, as Christians, we are going to be in the early morning we're gonna, or late evening, whatever it is. He gives four different things. It says maybe in the early morning. It may be after the family has left home for the day, which is not my case because usually I'm the only one that's leaving the home in the day. It may be during an undisturbed lunch break. And it may be when the family has gone to bed. Um, I think those are all good good avenues. Um, I like to do mine in the morning. Here's the reason why you don't know what's going to happen during your day. (laughs) Amen, Sister Kim? Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen in your day. So I like to get the Lord's mind on things, get the Holy Spirit involved with my life, really just kinda have a, a, a start a good fresh start. Whereas when I come home, it's like it's like here's a perfect analogy. You take a test, right? That test you get you get the answers after you've taken the test. You go look at the answer, like, oh, I failed this, I failed this. It's kind of the way with the Word of God. You get up in the morning, you read the Word of God, you study it, you know what God's giving you for the day. If you go through your day, it's going to be reminded through your day. If you wait till the end of the day, you've already been through your entire day doing what you're doing. And then you're going to get to the end and like, oh yeah, I messed up here, I messed up here, I messed up here, I messed up here. That's why I do it, think it's important. But again, I, I won't judge it uh, as far as it comes. <laughs> if you can get if it takes the evening time, do it. Uh, I know some guys, they like to do it in the evening because they work nights. And so that when they first get up in the morning, that's when they do it. I understand that. Um, and he gives a little bit of, and I'm not going to have you assign this, but having considered my families, my duties, my usual activities, light of God's clear command, I now promise the Lord that I will set aside the following time each day for the purpose of Bible study and prayer. And I think that should be something that you should set apart. All right, moving on. I got 15 minutes. It says, how should I walk with God? He says, now that you have set aside a definite time for devotions, remember that good habits are usually hard to form. Ask the Lord to help you keep one vital appointment. If you fail, don't quit. They're always the next day to restart. Now, he says here, he gives three different things to divide your time roughly into thirds. He says, a third of Bible reading, a third for thinking about what God has said, meditation, and a third for prayer. And he says, this time, 20 minutes at least, should be deliberately reserved and conscientiously kept and valiantly defended against the attacks of the devil. And listen to me, he will. He will take out every part of your day to try to destroy this ability of walking with him. Um, I know this for a fact. Boy, there are times when I get up in the morning and uh, I try to spend at least the first 10, 15 minutes as I get up in the morning to read God's word. And sometimes, boy, I tell you what, I'm so tired and exhausted. Uh, It's part of my fresh wake-up call in the morning. And sometimes I just want to get in the shower and get going. But sometimes you just have to sit, make yourself say, "Okay, this is—I know I need to do this. This is important." Um, you, there are more. This is a very basic understanding, but once you get more into your the Word of God, I would—you could even divide it up more. We went to a conference last year at Falls uh, Baptist Church, and they gave a uh, gave a what was that call? No, I can't remember it. Something about- like an hour of prayer. Right, hour of prayer. And he was showing how you could, and you're like, how in the world do I spend an hour in prayer? Well, there's a lot of things you can do. You forget that you're talking to the Almighty God and you're supposed to spend time worshiping Him. It's not just prayer, it's not used for what? Praying for things. It's used to worship God and reminding yourself who God is and telling God that we thank you for your jealousy, we thank you for your holiness, we thank you for your righteousness. Spending that time really saying, telling God, Lord, I love you. This is who you are to me. Um, and I think that's important. But again, getting the basics is important too. So keep these, I think it's a very good way of looking at it. Uh, turn your Bibles. Oh boy, I don't even know where a backup is. Did you have a question? Yes. Oh, no, she didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like to see
1: hymns. I know you had said that yes. before that you did that also. Before, yes. we, um, before we pray, you know. I sing a hymn to the Lord and it stays in my mind. The Lord will seal it in my mind the whole day. Yeah. And, and as I'm working, it'll just come into my mind. And yeah. I'll be like, oh, thank you
0: so much, Lord. Well, <laughs> the Bible does tell, tell us speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. So sometimes that verse people use, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Uh, some people say, boy, you don't make very joyful noises, my friend. Uh, but the, really, the, the truth is, is doing it in your heart. Saying, okay God, I'm doing this because it's between you and me. It's not between anybody else. I used to get so angry. I know I'm kind of going off the path here. But I used to get so uh, upset with the kids I went to Bible college with. And it was interesting because when they get up and sing, they would, it was like a performance. Right? they get up there and they were just trying to get people to look at them and how good they sing. And I would look at them, and when they'd say that, i said, wait a minute, this is a message that you're giving these folks. It's also praise the Lord God Almighty. I says, when you're up there singing because you want people to pay attention or you think how good you are, God is despising that because you're literally just admitting straight-up pride. I says, that's not what God wants. Um, our pastor, <laughs> even though they had their problems there at that church, one of the things I did like about this pastor was he understood this. And uh, one of the things he would say is, he would ask people not to clap. Because clapping, what? Oh, look at them, you know. He, he had a problem. Amen, hallelujah, get up excited. But sometimes people use clapping as a performance, right? And, uh, don't get me wrong. I don't see a problem with it. That was kind of his philosophy. And if people clap, I'm not saying, "Ooh, sinner! No. But I do think there is, a, is is a philosophy that he's trying to espouse there. And that is what? If we're in here worshiping the Lord. It should be looking to God and not looking at the people that are singing the song. And that's a big problem. And in, in Christian churches altogether, the Christian movement altogether, that has become more and more that way. Uh, before long, you know, it used to be that Christians would get up in a suit and tie and they would sing a song and they would stand up. <laughs> Nowadays... They get up there, and they got the fog lights, and they're swaying back and forth, and and it's just like a, a a rock concert in a lot of ways because they basically borrowed from the world. They got the pyrogenics and all that stuff going on, and everybody's feeling good, and oh yeah, and they're cheering, and, yeah, you know. What is that? Really, we should be singing and praising the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. In the Old Testament, the Levites were in charge of worship. They were theologians.
1: And God said specifically, their ministry to me. Right. It wasn't to the rest of the Israelites. It was to him. Right.
0: And they 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 were schooled, you know, in the Word of God. Yeah. That should be the requirement for all thinkers of the choir today. I know. <laughs> I know. Theologians. Are yes. You theologians? Do you know what you're saying? Yes. Do you know what you're seeing? Right. Yes. I, that's why a lot of times I'm getting so far off what we're supposed to be talking about here. But it's great. <laughs> I, I I found that. A lot of times, people don't even read the words they're singing. They're just singing it. Um, I was blessed to be growing up in a Christian home that basically every word, about every song in that songbook, I can can sing it without looking at the hymn book. But a lot of times, I like to look at the hymn book because I'm reading it as well as singing it. It's not just a duty that I'm doing or going through emotions. I literally are getting up there and I'm singing it. Uh, the love of God, oh, every time I read that 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 song, I just get I, I The Bible talks about the idea that if you were to drain the ocean dry, and if every uh, stock on earth a quill, and every uh, man a scribe by trade, we could not write the love of God, right? And then every time I read that, I just, wow, the words just kind of spring out at me. Same thing with a mighty fortress is our God. We read some of the stuff on that, you go, wow, look at that. There are some important things that we're doing all right Habakkuk chapter 2 that was free Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1 he says here I will stand upon my watch I will set me upon the tower I will watch to see what what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved boy what a great idea he says make Habakkuk 2 verse 1 your model and he says write this verse out below I will stand upon my watch. Really, when you get up in the morning you're standing upon your watch and you're waiting for the Lord to announce to you what He wants you to do for that day. We are truly servants of His. And if we are not looking for what the Lord is going to teach us, boy, we're going to have some problems. All right. And that took a little bit of time. So let's go through these last part of page 31, some basic rules for Bible study. I don't know if we're going to get through all these, but we'll try. Letter A, it says, begin with a short prayer, asking the Lord to teach you. All right, now listen, girls. Some of this stuff you're going to need for your your personal devotion, so don't forget it, okay? You're going to ask, Dad's going to ask you some of this stuff, so I want you guys to think about it, all right? Letter A, begin with a short prayer, asking the Lord to teach you. Turn to Psalms 119, verse 18. and doubt all them that err from thy statue for their deceit is falsehood. Uh, again, this idea that you are, I'm sorry, that's 118, that didn't sound right anyway. <laughs> 119 verse 18, let's get there. Alright. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Again, that idea that you're asking the Lord to give you the ability to show you. You are, by nature, a what? A sinner. sinner. The Bible says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. When you get up in the morning, you are a natural person. You need supernatural ability to read God's Word. So that means, Lord, show me what you want from your Word today. Sometimes God will take that, and He will use that as a way to introduce sin in your life that you've been committing. And you need forgiveness from the Bible says if you have sin in your heart, iniquity in your heart, I will not hear you. I don't crucify that verse, but it's something like that. Letter B. It says, "Remember, God means what He says and says what He means. Take every word in its primary literal meaning, unless the context clearly inca- indicates otherwise. Uh, when the plain sense becomes common sense, seek no other sense, or it all becomes nonsense." That's a good quote, I like that. I wonder who said that. When plain sense makes common sense, think no other sense, or it all becomes nonsense. I have to say that reading some of the modern media today and some of the... uh, This question right here always makes me laugh. That here makes me laugh so hard... Every time I hear that. But this is really what it comes down to, right? They want to ch- change the definitions. They want to make the, the words what it means. They want to change what is being said. Because why? They don't want to agree with it. Because it goes against what they think is right. As a Christian, boy, we have a de- textbook. We have a road map. We have the Bible, which teaches these, these things. And so we need to keep that in, in our prayers and our minds. Listen to what the Bible says. There's a literal meaning to everything, and uh, there, unless it shows otherwise or the context is clearly indicated otherwise, um, don't don't try to read it something completely different. You see a lot of these um, end times people get caught up in this. Uh, they start reading. Well, I don't know who it was. The twenty every twenty sixth word in the uh, Greek alphabet, and so this is, means the Lord's going to come back in twenty twenty two. No. Read the Bible for what it says. All right? In letter C, it says, keep in mind, it says, while all other Bible was written for you, it is not written all written to you, nor was it all written about you. He says, to help understand a passage, apply the golden key. And always ask these four questions. And I love this. This is very important. Girls, take this. You're studying your Bible. These are important. Number one, who is speaking? So we know if we're reading... Uh, the book of Matthew, who was, who was speaking at that time? Right. Who, who, who wrote it? I guess who, who the Lord used to write it? It was Matthew, right? But sometimes it's the Lord speaking, right? Other times it's another disciple speaking. He says, number two, to whom is he speaking? Boy, this is a big problem in a lot of m- misconceptions and heresies that come in. A lot of it is written to who? Jesus. This is why people get caught up in pre-trib, they don't get the right type of understanding what pre-trib is, because a lot of the church is dealing with uh, when they're talking to Revelation, they're talking to who? The very end, the church is not the beginning, right? But some of the some of the later portions is strictly to the Jews, and that's why people get into this uh, that the Lord's going to come back mid-trib or even post-tribulation. Uh, And that's why you have to be careful what you're reading. Who's it it being said to? It's not reading to the church. It could be reading to the Jews. And then number number third one is is about what is he speaking. Uh, And this is important as well because you're taking the understanding of what's being said. And then third, fourthly, what was he speaking? What was he speaking? So another one here? All right. So about what is he speaking? So the, the subject... And then the last one: When was he speaking? And that idea is uh, what time? Okay, who is it to? Who is it written to? What time was it written? And about what was he speaking? Sometimes people like to pull things out of context. You need to be careful with that. We need to read. Uh, I heard someone say this, what I thought was a really good understanding. You need to have 20-20 vision. Read twenty verses above the verse and twenty verses below the verse. And you'll have a better understanding of what the Bible teaches on that specific verse. Um, and again, when you're talking about the idea that you're running through these, and, and this is important when you're reading God's word, you need to make sure you say, well, well back here, here's a verse.